We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. My gig as a painter is sort of a one-man show. I am the visionary, the director, the choreographer. My paints and brushes are the cast, each with their unique capabilities and talents. But in my broader life, with roles such as artist, podcaster, and gallery manager, my creative process is not so solitary and requires others to produce optimal results. Today's guest works in the theater, which is by its very nature a collaborative art. Even a one-man show on stage requires all sorts of creative connections, coordinations, and interactions to be successful. My mind was open a bit by today's conversation, and I hope yours will be too. I am pleased to present my talk with theater director Kay Martinovich. So one of the reasons why I was particularly interested in talking to you is I know that we had a conversation on the phone and um, you are very, it sounds like you're very specific about working with actors mm -hmm. and actors for the stage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so in the world of uh, media and entertainment, that seemed very specific. Mm -hmm. And I was very mm -hmm. curious and I wanted to talk to you about that. Okay. So how did you get into, or why is it that that specific thing is what interests you? Well, I began my theater career as an actor, as many, many people in theater do. Mm -hmm. And I was an actor in high school and college, and that was my path for myself. I just believed I'm going to be an actor my entire career. I knew at the age of 12 that that's what I wanted to do. And, and at age of 12, were you thinking you wanted to, were you watching movies and saying, I want to be up there? Or was all it... stage. I wanted to go to New York. I didn't want to go to college. I, told, I had the conversation with my dad saying, I'm going to New York to be an actor. And she came, On stage, like Broadway. Correct, yeah. Well, like, not necessarily Broadway. I'm just going to New York. I, I didn't have thoughts of Broadway. I just thought New York theater was my idea. Now, was it about um, being, an, being a star? Was it about... Um, inhabiting other characters like to help, what was it about it that or was it New York City it was New York City definitely it was just the life of the actor the the different characters I never really thought Broadway star I never really thought I want to be a star I've never thought about it like that yep. but I wanted to go to New York and be an actor that's kind of what I said to my dad he said you're going to college I said no I'm not and he said yes you are he said no you're not I said yes I am and where did you grow up and he won I grew up in Oklahoma oh okay and in a, like um like a big city in Oklahoma no, a very small town uh north of Tulsa and then I also lived in California. My dad was transferred. And then I grew up in Houston. So this conversation was happening when I grew up in Houston in a, in a suburb outside Houston. And I, yeah, I wanted to go to New York from, from Houston. At and 18. But instead 18. you went to college. College, yes. I went to school in D.C., which was East Coast enough for me. Okay. And I, I could have stayed in the East Coast, but then 
I switched my major undergrad to a BFA in directing because I really liked this side of theater. So theater is kind of, it's not in my family. There's, I'm not a, my mom was in, uh, was in shows in, in, in high school, I think, but it was never something she pursued. And I think I've got theater in me and I'm not quite sure exactly how, but it was always theater. It was never the idea of doing TV or film. And so when I switched my major to directing, it was always going to be stage directing. That was just what I wanted to do. And so when I moved to Chicago, it, my goal was, I'm going to be a director in Chicago. And that was the goal. So no one in your family had any familiarity with this world? Not at all. Okay. So you're my second podcast uh, interviewee who is from Oklahoma. Oh my gosh. Who got into the arts wow. in a world that was not familiar with uh, to their family. Um, mm -hmm. So I interviewed a, an artist, Michael Noland, who is from Oklahoma. Oh my gosh. I don't remember the town, but it's like the tornado capital of Oklahoma. Okay. Um, but his family, he, he's a visual artist, and his mm. family had no idea about this world. <laughs> and um, I don't think he's 100% certain where he got this you know, idea to pursue this. We talked about it a little bit, uh -huh. but that's interesting that yeah. you have, I've only done 41 interviews <laughs> and two of them are from Oklahoma. Wow. Wow. But, uh, well, so you ended up um, doing directing. So tell me about um, that in working with actors. Well, being an actor myself first, I had an idea of what the actor's process is. But I also, when I was acting, I always felt like I was watching everything as well, and which is not good for an actor because an mm -hmm. actor need to be, needs to be in the moment and needs to be spontaneous and needs to be just engaged with what's going on. And I always felt, not always, I think towards the end of my quote-unquote acting career, I was, I was watching uh, from an outside point of view. And I just realized that I really like the aspect of putting all the pieces together uh, two, of the, two of the words that I really like are connection and collaboration, and mm -hmm. those are two words I, I believe are inherent in my work. I love to collaborate with other artists and actors to put together uh, a piece, um, whether it's a devised piece or a script. And the connection that I make between, not just between the actors and between myself and the actors, between myself and the designers, but also the actors between themselves and also between the script and the actors, also between the historical research that I do or the dramaturgical work I do, working on the connections between where does this play fit within a uh, longer trend in, uh, in theater history or in 2020. And yeah, so I'd say those are the two things that really draw me into theater. And because it's a live experience, I like to think that I am creating experiences for the audience. Not necessarily I am putting a script or putting a play on. Yep. I think about it as, as I hope the audience walks away, whether they love the play, hate the play, or anywhere in between, or the production rather that they are having an experience of some sort. Okay. Now, when you are a director, you are in charge of everything? Every. Okay. Everything. So that's music, sound effects, scenery, everything. Everything. Okay. The only thing I'm not in charge of is the budget. So I do not dictate how much money we have. So uh, okay. the producing, either the producing artistic director, the artistic director, or for school, the director of the school will have, has the budget. And I know 
sometimes I know how much we have for scenery and sometimes I know how much we have for okay. music or props, but I handle everything except for the mo- monetary. Now, who decides what is the show that you're doing? Is that like like the producers decide this is our project and then they hire a director? That There are a couple of ways that this happens. The last show I directed, which was at Remy Mumpo Theater Company, they had a script, they had a play, they wanted to uh, produce in the, in the next season, and they called me, would I be interested, available to direct this show? I read the script. I love the script. It was called The Father by Florian Zeller. It's a Was it a contemporary it's script? It's a contemporary okay. script. It's about a man dealing with Alzheimer's. Uh, and what's unique about the play is that the audience is put in the man's brain, so the audience feels uh, like they are experience something like okay. they're not quite sure what's going on in the play kind of thing. So it was really it was really a cool experience. But that was an, uh, an instance where they had a script. They are interested in, in hiring me as a director. What also happens is that I have a series of scripts that I'm interested in directing. So I will go to theater companies and pitch and say, I really want to do this script. Does this align with what your mission is, or does this okay. align with what you want to do? So okay. those are the two ways. Or just coming up somehow with money and directing and producing myself, which I've done very little of, but that's yeah. also an option. So how much of this, so if in case A, where you have an established script that you're being hired to direct, how much of that is you're executing someone else's creative vision, and how much of it is you get direction you know from what the script is and it is actually your creative vision i would say for example that last play that i was mentioning i had quote unquote creative control over it so it was my vision of the piece there are they are a company so they would have two company members part of that so i wouldn't have complete control over casting because company members went into that show which is great because they're wonderful actors and then, um, but then I chose the design team in collaboration with a producing artistic director. Can you modify um, the script at all? No. And is the person who wrote it, were they involved? No. So is that, I wonder if that's scary for them, that they turned it over, well, or is happens, it exciting for them? I think that uh, that's the, 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 I think the life of the playwright, right? So they, they do, they... That's why, I don't know, that's why I'm interviewing you. They put the script together, and then they let it go. They, they release it to the world, so whatever company is going to produce their work, then they're, I guess, an act of faith every time someone yeah. inquires about the rights and say, can I, we do this play? So can you, are you not allowed to change the script? Yeah, uh, correct. Okay, so that's like a legal thing. Yes. Interesting, I didn't know that. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I'm very much a stickler for the script. Okay. And I'm really interested in um, how the actors deal with what the script has. I direct, just directed a play called A Bright New Boise by Samuel D. Hunter. And at Northern Illinois University, and the actors were struggling with some of the dashes in the scripts or some of the pauses in the script. Or, and I said, well, the writer has written, the playwright has written this for a reason. We need to figure out what that is. Yeah. And so I like to, yeah, look at the script as my score. When you think of what a good actor is, and mm-hmm. I don't even know if you use that word good, but... Um, is that someone who can execute what you want, like a paintbrush type of thing? Or is it 
you want to find someone who fits the specific role. I guess because there would be like versatile actors that could do anything. Right. And then there could be people that are more specific. Um, I, that's a big question. Right. But because uh, I, I don't really know anything about this world. Right. And right. I'm very curious about it. Yeah. Um, being a painter. Yes. I sometimes think of actor, you know, because I'm always making uh, mapping to other things, other creative endeavors. And sometimes I think of um, an actor kind would have be like a like a paintbrush or something like that. And I have to find the right paintbrush for me as the painter or as the director that I want to execute. Um, and some paintbrushes are very specific in terms of their shape. Yes. And that is the one that I would use for what I want. Other ones are more general, like my flat brush. I can use that for everything, and yeah. it's wonderful. Does any of that make sense to you? It does make sense. I think the difference is, is that as a director, I am working with live mm -hmm. <laughs> live people and so it is a true collaboration and so i don't pretend to know everything about this role because that actor is is working with more knowledge about how to play that role than i am because they are inhabiting it and they're looking at it from a very specific okay. viewpoint i want to know everything i can about the character do you ask them about the character absolutely Okay, this Absolutely. is so surprising to me. Absolutely, I assumed yes. as a director that yes. you would know everything. No. But no, so you they do. And that makes sense well, to me. Well, they don't know everything, but but we we collaborate. And I will have strong ideas. On, on a show that I recently directed, uh, the the actor brought in a lot, but it was not going in the, in the direction that I would. It needed to add layers of depth and trauma, and that was not coming out in his, in what he was doing. And so I said, let's talk about it. And so I got a chance to hear where where he was coming from with it, and then I could add what I where I think we needed to go with it. So it was a discussion, it was collaboration, and after that, I think there was some aha moments on both sides, yeah. and then realizing that this is how we need to proceed. And so it's never, I never think of myself as moving bodies in space, even though I do because they have their points of view and I'm really good at listening to them. And sometimes I need to say, it needs to be done this way. Yeah, it needs to be, course. it needs to, for, because I'm looking at the whole picture and not just one role, I'm looking at everybody. And yeah, uh, I really like to talk to actors. I really like to get inside their heads to see where they're coming from, but I don't have to know everything because, uh, they are inhabiting it in a way yeah. that I'm just not going to. Of course. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I'm yeah. so glad we're having this conversation. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. have known that. Yeah. Um, I've spoken to a bunch of actors previously on this podcast. And one of the things that came up, uh, and this is what they kind of, we, we came up with. Yeah. This isn't like me speaking. Um, is that actors oftentimes need to be very sensitive to the world um, in order to be able to play characters and, you know, but also you are looking for, there's a sense of looking for validation as well um, in being an actor often. So those two together can be a recipe for disaster is what they had told me is mm -hmm. that, um, you know, you're kind of opening up yourself up to be vulnerable and then you can be subject to criticism, et cetera. So you are having to, um, work with people in that way um, and I'm sure that must be that I I guess challenging isn't the word but that is a thing 
That is a thing. And I think for me, one of the most important things I want to have in the room or by the end of the process, by, by the end of the rehearsal process, is to have a competent actor. That an actor knows a confident actor. Oh, confident. Actor, so that they know walking on stage. They know what their journey is. They know what they're doing. They know they have no questions at this point. And yes, it is an experience as you go through each each show right. or each performance. But there's nothing more satisfying than an actor that feels confident. And even though there is this opening up of vulnerability and they have to be able to do that every single night, you know, four nights a week, six, you know, eight shows a week, whatever it is. But knowing what the roadmap is when they, mm-hmm. when they step on, to, on that stage is um, they can navigate then where those vulnerabilities lie and when they are... Uh, e- emotionally in the scene or whatever, if they know where that where that is. So, is that a big part of what you're trying to do in rehearsal? Is just to get confidence in your actor? That's the byproduct. I think that's the byproduct of how I work. I work very specifically with actors. I work moment to moment. I make sure the actors understand what's going on in the play as a whole, and then working. Beat. I, I don't call them beat by beat, but section by section that they know what's going on and we'll have conversations about it. Um, and that's all in part with the blocking and staging and that kind of thing. So I think by allowing them to have um, a say and allowing them to, the actor, to be a part of the process and be part of creation of the role, that automatically gives them confidence. So I think that once opening night comes and the show is now yours and I no longer have to be there, then they can walk away going, I, we know what we're doing. So for a show that is like ongoing, are you there for every show? No. Or, okay, so once it's up Open, and running? It's, it's, it, it's up to the stage manager to maintain the integrity of the show. So the other big important relationship in a theatrical endeavor is the director stage manager relationship to be able to trust that once opening night comes and i say goodbye that the stage manager will see uh on a nightly basis everything that i had intended everything that you're talking about is um relationships with people yes is that is that a you thing or is that a is, is that just how you work is there is that how most people in what you do work? Uh, it's hard to say. I think this business is relationships, and I think it's it's really important that I have a good room, quote unquote, meaning that I have good energy in the room. That 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 everybody who is there wants to be there. I allow everybody to have a voice in the room from the ASM to the assistant director to the stage manager to all the actors to the designers. I allow everybody to have their say. I will ultimately have to shape it and and take the, the production where I want to take it or where I need to take it or where it for me the production needs to go. But it's really important to me that um, I have that kind of room in, in both the rehearsal room and once we get into tech and we're in the performance space. Yeah. Have so. you always been someone that is connected with people in that way? And it just sort of translated to here? I think maybe, maybe, I don't... Um, or is this, or doing this is something that sparked that in you? 
I think I really like people. I think uh, I'm like my mom in that respect. So it may be part of my personality that that uh, that allows that me to be like this in, in these yeah, rooms. Because yeah. I know I was just watching this um, this documentary on Star Wars and uh, George Lucas. Now, of course, that's film, mm-hmm. but I don't. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. A Star Wars fan, but I did watch this. And George Lucas apparently is not a people person, and he didn't even speak to the actors hardly in making that movie. And that was so odd to me mm-hmm. that he had this vision for this movie that was in his head. No one who worked on the first movie had any idea what was going on mm-hmm. because there were no special effects. There was no nothing. So it was the opposite of really what you are saying. Yes. So that's, yes. that's interesting. Yeah, and I think that once you get into TV and film, it becomes a lot more technical. And mm. I don't think my brain works gotcha. that way. It's about camera shots, and it's about yeah. special effects, and it's about a vision of something that is a two-dimensional, whereas my vision is three-dimensional yep. in, a, in, in a... And really... Um, and I have to be able to, as I said, trust the actors and the creative team to move forward once I... Once I leave the room or leave the leave the space, leave the space, and uh, so I need to. I don't work actively at gaining trust, but I, I trust the actors. I trust my team, and so I hopefully then it is reciprocal that they trust okay. where I'm taking them as well. Yeah. Something about what you do that is particularly interesting to me is that it's so timeless with all of these forms of entertainment that people have access to. What you were doing is probably one of the first forms of entertainment, um, which is, you know, live theater. In fact, it's the first entertainment that most kids, at least when I was a kid, we did plays and shows all the time. Um, so it's kind of a like the root of, of everything, the start of a lot of performance. Do you think of it that way? Um, you know, when people are, are watching one of your shows, it's the same like part of the brain that people were using whatever 500 years ago i i i don't really think about that i mean i think it's it's something that it's hard to wrap my brain around because i've just been invested in theater and theater making for so long it's just something i do i love the limitations that theater often uh, or the challenges, meaning uh, budgetary or with space or with time or with and all these things. And I know it, you can do that on a lot of creative endeavors, but it, it I love the challenge of trying to um, have four weeks and put up this, you know, two and a half hour show or something. And or, oh, guess what? We don't have money to do the rest of the set that you wanted to do. Oh, OK, now how do I recalibrate? And so I think I'm in the thick of it so much that to think long term and how this has been evolving through the past thousands of years uh, is something I don't spend a lot of time at. But when you bring it up, it's it's uh, I love it. I love the idea that this is this is where it started and that I'm continuing this tradition. And that's why I have kind of dedicated my life. <laughs> to doing this uh yeah and i've never been to greece and i can't wait to go because it's on my it's on my list of places to go and i want to go to uh at least for western uh theater the the beginnings do you have a couple suggestions or tips to people that are listening to this that are interested in pursuing acting 
pursuing acting. People that are from Oklahoma right. or Kansas, right. the middle of right. the country. Right. Uh, this is the wonderful thing about theater. It can be done anywhere. Sure. If I move back to Tulsa, Oklahoma right now, I would find a way to do theater. That's just the way theater works. And it's wonderful that it can happen anywhere. So from the smaller markets to the big metropolitan. You can work anywhere. You can work You're anywhere. like being a nurse. Yes. <laughs> exactly. But nursing, you can work anywhere. You really if can. If you are in live theater, you right. can work anywhere. Work anywhere, that yes. That's good to know. So uh, aspiring actors, it's, it's finding the type of theater that you want to do and reaching out to to people who share your interests in terms of that kind of theater. Because right now, there's a lot of niche theater. There's horror theater. There's classic or classical theater. There's Irish theater. There's um, Shakespeare, of course. There's there's all different types of, there's modern. There's, you know, theater from the last 10 years. There's or contemporary. So find out what kind of theater you want to do and then seek seek out like-minded and do that kind of work. As far as tips to actors, I, I say get in class. And no matter if you have a four-year degree, get in class and meet people. Again, get to talking, build the relationships, build the networks that you could be uh, working alongside. Another thing is internships. I started, I moved to Chicago and got an internship right away when I moved here. Uh, it was a way to establish relationships and I can rely on those relationships 20 years later. Yeah, no, I think staying connected with people um, is always important, no matter what you do. Yes. I think sometimes people forget that. Yes, yes. So tell me about your website and where people can learn about you and the work that you do. So my website is kmartinovich.com, and it's K-A-Y-M-A-R-T-I-N-O-V-I-C-H. It is currently not up, but will be within the next couple of months. Okay, great. And you can find out a little bit more about me. You can find out some of the projects I've done. There'll be production photos on there as well. And then a contact page to hear from you. I mean, putting out a, a website as a director is always, what's the next gig? What, you know, a director for hire. So, yes, there's not really call me, but that's implied, I guess, in a website. Okay. My name is Ricky McGuckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.